Thank you for joining us here today. I'm believing God for great things as we continue the conversation of Christians at our best. I hope that you have been blessed during this time together. You know, what's interesting is that it's been challenging for me to think about how I live my life and commit to living in such a way that only Christ is seen through me. I recently read something that struck me. I wanted to share it as we began. Someone said this, sometimes I just want it to stop. Stop all the talk of COVID, protest, looting, and brutality. I feel like I'm losing my way. I'm becoming convinced that this is the new normal that I may be living in, that this is real life. Then I met this 87-year-old man who was living his life and sharing of his story of living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam protest, and yet he is still content and still living a happy life. Seemed surprised when I said 2020 must be especially challenging for him. And he responded, no, not really at all. I learned a long time ago not to see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through people that surround me. I see the world with the realization that we love big. So I choose to write my own headlines, is what he said. Husbands love wife today. The husband loves his wife today. Family drops everything to come to grandma's bedside. Patted the man on his hand. Old man makes new friend. What a wonderful way to view the world. Amen. From this 87 year old, what a wonderful way to do so. For all of us, I think it would be good for us to change the way we look at what goes on around us. And the same goes for how we see others. Some of us need to change the way we think of others. What do I mean by this? Well, I mean that it's difficult to treat people like God loves them just as much as he loves me when I really don't believe that. And this is important because if we don't see others the way that God sees them. We won't love them the way that God commands us to love them. I'll say that again. If we don't see others the way that God sees them, we will not love them the way that God loves them. And God has commanded us to love them. And so it matters how we view others. It matters how we view people. Speaking of how folks view one another. LifeWay Research recently conducted a poll. It revealed that 79% of folks agree with this statement. Christianity today is more about organized religion than loving God and loving people. 40% of the st- agree with this statement, this next statement. Christians just get on my nerves. If the gospel of Jesus is so amazing and Christians are called to love and serve, why did a majority of Americans complain that organized church was less interested in love than in ritual and that Christians seem to be annoying at times? 
The facts, I believe, are our friends. Sometimes we need to take a hard look in the mirror for a reality check. We need to face the facts that one of the biggest obstacles in sharing the message of Jesus Christ is the character and the conduct of its messengers. It's, in other words, on us. Turn to someone and say, hey, look, this is on me. The world is watching you. The world is watching me. The world is watching us, and they don't always feel God's love from us. We need to have a love that compels the world to want to be like us. The only way this happens is to love people the way that God calls us to love people. How you view people absolutely controls the way in which you love one another. People who love others the way God has called them to love, those people view others in a very intentional way. They have a very specific way in which they view people. I'll spend the bulk of my time here today talking about how we view others, but I want to address something that's related before we go any further. There are some people who won't accept your love no matter how you package it, and there are many reasons for that. Personal hurt, bitterness, insecurities, belief system. Of course, this doesn't excuse us from continuing to share God's love. There's no excuse for this. We've still got to love people. But we've got to understand that for some people, the gospel message, that is what offends them. It's the very love of Christ within you that causes them to push you away, the push away from that love that you're trying to give them. Stetzer identifies four reasons why the gospel is offensive to some people. It preaches God's judgment of human wickedness and false righteousness. It rejects the wisdom of this world as foolishness. It's the catalyst for the spiritual battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light that rages all around us. And fourthly, it focuses foundationally and immovably upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a response to the fact that humankind is fallen. So we as human beings, we must be reconciled unto the Lord. Jesus Christ is the way for this to occur. Amen. Why is it important to address this? Well, of course we want to do our very best to reach every single person, every single human being with the gospel. But guess what? Some will find it offensive. Now here's what I want to Share with us this takeaway from this knowledge. If someone is offended by something that I say or do or post on social media, something on my uh, Facebook page, Instagram page, is it the gospel that's offending them or is it my presentation of the gospel that's offending them? Is Is it me? Is it something I said or is it something that I believe that's offending them? Is it my selfish, fleshly nature creating some sort of a stumbling block for them to come to Jesus or to live an overcoming Christian life? 
Because that, my friend, that my brother, my sister, that's the key distinction. And we must be committed to loving people enough not to allow anything in their path to hinder them from the cross of Calvary. Christians contribute to the outrage around us when we behave badly rather than lovingly communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For instance, for some Christians, they're going to post those Bible verses professing the love of Jesus only to follow that with derogatory, even hostile insults against some political, cultural, or religious figure. People believe our love then is worthless when we cheapen it in this way. More important, they assume Christian love must be contingent upon something else. What do I mean? Some Christians withhold love from others until those folks meet certain expectations. This is so dangerous when we're unable to recognize how such Hypocrisy can destroy our Christian witness with the people that we're trying to reach on a daily basis. When we claim that we have the love of Jesus, but don't show it to others through actions and words, we demonstrate that we have not been totally and fully gripped by God's grace and that we are in desperate need of that same grace and mercy. Our lack of love about our beliefs that others aren't worthy of that love and consideration. These patterns, it's these patterns here that damage our witness and the witness of Jesus Christ in our world today. If we don't love the lost around us, we demonstrate that we've missed the point of the entire gospel itself. It's kind of like that bus that went right by me on that bus stop. I totally missed the bus because I thought that's what the gospel was all about, reaching the lost, uh, being a light in the darkness, not just simply catering to my own presuppositions. You see, we disqualify our right to bring a message of love by living and proclaiming the gospel in an unloving way. So God help us today. In other words, we can't reach people and hate people at the same time. The very people we're trying to reach, we can't hate them. If we're really going to love them and reach them, we are called to love, called to be light, salt. We're called to be a light in this world. We cannot do so if we hate the very people we're trying to reach. You see, the gospel, it's the salve for this world's pain, this world's brokenness and anger. The good news is meant to be exactly that hope of a cure to the spiritually dead in the world. As Christians, we're called to demonstrate this attractive love of God in a way that testifies that this is the good news, that the Christ has come and he has brought love and light and hope into our dark world. It's in this way that countless lies are broken. Violence is eradicated. Sin is overthrown. People who love in this way view others through a specific lens. They view people with empathy. They understand that the world is broken It's in bondage. So people need Jesus. People don't need rejection. 
A specific lens of humility. Cultural engagement is based on humility rather than hostility and tribalism. We're called to be image-bearing. They perceive and value all human beings as created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And love that must be sacrificial. It must sacrificially come to the surface. They're willing to sacrifice their own preferences and desires for the benefit of God's kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ being preached in all the world. I'd like to talk about these briefly. First of all, if we're going to see others the way that Jesus sees them, we must develop a better sense of empathy. Type that in your notes below. I need more empathy in my life. This is the love that Jesus shows, love that is compassionate, love that's meek, love that is respectful, and love that is courageous. Unfortunately, many Christians are disgusted by people who don't know Jesus. The real danger is they don't think they're even disgusted at all, but their words and their actions betray them. When something disgusts us, it's virtually impossible to love it at the same time. If you want to move from disgust to empathy today, we've got to relate to the experiences and the pain and the hurt of others and see that they need the gospel just as much as we need the gospel. In Ephesians, we see how the Apostle Paul, how he was motivated to evangelism. This was because he recognized, like all people, he was once dead in his trespasses in sin. He was lost, but found the Lord. Ephesians 2 unpacks the truth. We once followed the course of this world. We once followed the prince the power of the air. We were sons of disobedience, lived according to the passions of our flesh. We were once children of wrath. But then there's a shift in that passage. Then the apostle turns it on its head, continuing to move the narrative from sin to God's mercy. I'm thankful today for God's mercy. Amen. I believe you are too. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. As Christians, we need to work to draw closer to the broken rather than withdrawing and giving in to the feelings of anger, giving in to the feelings of disgust. Viewing others through the lens of humility is one of the greatest things we can ever do to be the Christians that we are called to be. Amen. It counteracts the influence of pride in our lives. It allows God's love to shine through us. I want God's love to shine through me. Amen. I believe that's your desire too. Let's let God's love shine through us. Allow that humility to to soak up in our hearts. Because you see, pride leads to a contest to see, hey, I want to be 
the best instead of a commitment to serve the best and the only one, Jesus Christ. Pride leads us to care more about winning the theological debate rather than winning converts to Jesus Christ. However, humility through Jesus, well, that kills pride. Humility through Jesus, it kills our pride. Love doesn't speak to whether we disagree because, of course, we're going to disagree with someone who has a humanistic worldview. Of course, we're going to disagree with sin. But hum- humility, it shapes the way in which we disagree. It shapes our words and our actions toward the one in which we are disagreeing with. What really needs to happen is sharing Jesus and inviting others to follow him. This requires a willingness to humble ourselves. It means listening and understanding the culture, the worldview, the background of others. And then this opens the door to communicate the love of God, communicate the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It reveals that we're interested in winning the person rather than winning the debate. I want to win the person today. I want to win someone to Jesus rather than win the debate today. Amen. Paul exhorted the church at Philippi to not only walk in love within the four walls of the church, but also to everyone outside the church. Paul understood that this kind of love, it defied human expectations. And this kind of love would draw others through Jesus to his power. It would connect them to the source of man. How in the world can you love someone who's so terrible? Well, because Jesus is working on me and therefore he's allowing his spirit to work in my heart. And now I'm able to love others even more. Amen. To love like Jesus, we must walk in empathy. We must walk in humility. We must honor The image of God in every single person, the fact, that fact should fuel the love of God within us for every person that we meet. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he didn't see the chief tax collector, didn't see someone with power, someone who used his power to become rich. He didn't see someone who hated others or hated his community. No, Jesus saw him as someone who repented. He wasn't disqualified from God's love, but this man experienced freedom from his past. Your past does not disqualify you today from your brand new future in Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't disqualify others around you from salvation, from that same salvation and mercy that each one of us have experienced. Amen. In our current age of outrage, our dealings with others usually is informed by politics, cultural and religious identities, But we must be intentional. We must be intentional about working through past, working past all of these divisions through the eyes of God's 
love. When I believe that someone else is just as much a child of God as I am, it's much easier for me to build a bridge than to set a match and burn the bridge down, all right? When I believe that someone else is just as much a child of God as me, it's easier for me to build a bridge rather than burn the bridge toward them. Christians, we need to begin from the premise that all people are made in the image of God, the imago Dei today. We know all people sin, including us, but every human being is an image bearer of the Lord and worthy of care, worthy of dignity, worthy of love. Christians must love others in this age of outrage. We can't claim to love God and hate those who bear his image. We need to be known as a Christian who shares the love of Jesus with a hurting, broken, and fallen world today. With love and humility because we are all the same. We're all beloved by God, created in his image. And because of that, We're called to love sacrificially. We are called to love sacrificially. Amen. When we love sacrificially, we will abandon our preferences and fight for the things that really matter. We won't allow people to suffer alone. We won't turn a deaf ear to the cries of the hurting. We will speak up for the things that really matter to the Lord. Did you know that you can speak for something without attacking someone who disagrees with you? You can speak up for God's truth without insulting someone in the process. You can be known for what you are for instead of only what you are against. I am for Christ. Amen. I am for hope. I am for people going to heaven. I am for hope to be extended, the love of God to be extended to a lost and a hurting world. I am for gathering as many people as I can and doing everything in my ability through God's grace and work in me, through that spirit working through me, to gather as many people as I can to get to heaven with me. Amen. That's my desire, to take as many people with me to heaven. Amen. I believe that is your desire as well. God is calling us to love and live sacrificially today. Amen. One of the most influential speeches in our time was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. This speech spoke to the unjust status quo while casting a compelling vision of a better and a brighter future. Dr. King refused to be silent in the face of racism and injustice. Sacrificial love not only calls Christians to speak up, but does so when it costs us something. Oftentimes it's going to cost you something to live in this manner. Speaking for what is biblical, speaking up for what is right, it's going to cost us something. You may lose a friend. You may lose favor with the co-workers, with some people. You might even lose finances for choosing to do the right, the honorable thing, the thing that is correct and pleasing to the Lord. I'd rather be on the Lord's side than on the side of this world 
every day, any day, all day. Amen. I want to be on God's side today. Amen. You want to be on God's side? Type that down in the comments below. I want to be on God's side today. I don't want to follow after the world. Amen. Here's the challenge. You must be spirit-led to know when to speak up and how to speak up. May God's spirit help us. May God's spirit equip us to know when to speak up and how to speak up. The wisdom, the clarity to know when and how to say something because we must speak up in a way that honors the Lord, period. Amen. Not our political party, not our personal preferences, but in a way that honors God's word, his love and honors God's kingdom. Amen. So guard your heart. Amen. But speak in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Speak to the sin of the world and the sin in the world. Point people to Jesus Christ. Have, I believe this, we have a spiritual obligation to speak the truth in love today. We're called to engage our culture with godly compassion. We're called to love others in a way that points them to Jesus Christ. We're called to never allow our love to be silenced. Our love should move us to action. It should move us into acting out God's very best for us today. Following Jesus compels us to love and share his love for a hurting world every single day. Amen. Let's close with prayer today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for this time together and the opportunity to explore, Lord Jesus, how you love people and how you're calling us to view them and love them as you see them. I pray, give us your strength, your wisdom, your peace, your guidance. Help us, Lord, to love sacrificially in a manner that's pleasing unto you. We thank you, God, for this day and time together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.